It was late in 1894 when I found myself a resident once more in my quarters at Baker Street. My wife was spending some time out in the country visiting the foresters, and this gave me the opportunity to renew my acquaintance to such a degree that I almost felt I had come back to bachelorhood on a permanent basis. A tempestuous London storm howled through the chimney and battered with wet fingers at the windows of our drawing-room, making it a comfort for us to be indoors. But if the conditions appealed to me, they did not bring solace to Holmes. He had no active case at present, and was quite beside himself with a hectic lassitude that had him twitching restlessly in his chair. Several times he cast a reckless glance at the small case on the dresser next to him, the one that held the syringe and solution of cocaine that was his sole escape when he fell into this darkest of moods. He had already availed himself of its calming effect once today, and I was starting to wonder, without comment, if this vice of his had gone to even further extremes than it had seen before my marriage. "'A little stimulant is not so bad as all that,' Holmes said with a laugh, and I knew he had deduced my thoughts in that uncanny way of his. "'It is only this dreaded inactivity, Watson. It exhausts me as work never does.' It is doubly vexing when I know that trouble is brewing on the horizon, only I cannot lay my hands on any of the threads of it, so that I have nothing with which to occupy my waiting hours. Trouble? I said. I had been in Baker Street for nearly three days, and had the feeling that Holmes had been waiting for something all this time, but he had refused to be drawn out enough to speak to any of the details up until now. You are unfamiliar with my cases of the past few months, Watson, so I cannot expect you to know. Of late I have been involved in several cases that seemed at first unrelated, but which all stem from a single source. I have been seeking them out and turning all other unrelated cases away. The missing crews from the Matilda Briggs and the Demeter, certain tangential persons involved in the death of Radgast the booking agent, and the flowers mysteriously delivered to Miss Violet Bell, are all the work of one mastermind, Watson. It is all connected, and I am carefully drawing all the threads around me, feeling for the spider at the centre. If I did not know better, I should say that Moriarty himself was back and up to his old tricks. "'Moriarty, that villain!' I cried. "'Is it possible that he lived?' Holmes reached past the cocaine and picked up his pipe. Evidently our conversation had sufficiently engaged him so as to make the distraction of the more potent drug no longer necessary. He scraped his pipe bowl clean and made ready for a fresh batch of tobacco by the expedient of wrapping the bowl against the table leg, heedless of the shag bits on the carpet. He fired his pipe to the desired pitch before answering. "'I would find that highly unlikely,' he said finally, and I would only consider such a possibility once I had eliminated all other possibilities, for I saw his body fall into the perilous depths of the falls myself. Also, consider this. Were Moriarty to survive, I am quite confident that his next move would be to take action against me. He would seek to remove me before taking up any direction of London's underworld, for that is how I found him the first time, and Moriarty was no dullard. I do not think he would make the same mistake twice. "'Could it be that someone else has carried on his work?' I asked. "'This thought occurred to me as well,' Holmes said. "'It seems a highly unlikely possibility that someone of Moriarty's calibre and intent has stepped into the void I inadvertently created by removing him, 
but we are at a loss to provide a better explanation. And this one, for all its flaws, certainly seems more plausible than Moriarty's return from the grave. Ah, it is no good. What we need is more data, Watson. It is a capital mistake to theorise before one has enough data.'